in our State of the Church address. So this morning I'm going to ca- talk to you about some, some wide-angle lens things. Um, we as a church um, really sprung out of, uh, in 2000 and, let's see, 2012, late 2012, early 2013, uh, my pastor was actually um, praying, and uh, there was a family that already lived in the valley, and um, they had, through some circumstances, some horrific and uh, some exciting, um, came to know Jesus, and as a result, um, we found that they lived down here. Now, if most of us drive to Farmington all the time, right? We gotta, sometimes we've got to do grocery shopping. Sometimes it's just stuff we can't buy down here. Um, sometimes we've got to work up there. I work up there every day. Um, but that said, um, traveling up there every day and then traveling every Sunday for service, it's just a lot of driving. And so um, God stirred on my pastor's heart to start a fellowship down here or to see if God might start a fellowship. And sometimes it feels like it's our idea, and sometimes it feels like God's stirring, stirring our hearts, and the only way to know is to take a step of faith and see what he does. So in 2013, uh, we started looking for a location to have a weekly Bible study. When my pastor asked me to be involved, um, he said, you know, he was, he's still pastoring up in Farmington, and he said, you know, maybe you can teach every other week, and we can kind of tag team it. So we started renting Bobby Powell's on Sunday nights, and we started a Bible study. And we had a group that came down and led worship for us. We had a couple of guys teaching. So my pastor came down and he taught from what I'm going to teach from this morning, Acts chapter 2. And when he did that, he actually uh, taught about the four pillars of the early church. So he taught the first week, and then I was going to, we were going to start teaching the book of Mark. So I started teaching him Mark chapter 1 the next week, and which just so happened to be my 30th birthday, which was pretty cool. And... Um, and on that week, um, I taught Mark chapter 1, and then the week after that, I taught Mark chapter 1 in the second part, and then I kept teaching, and my pastor never came back. So he <laughs> kind of left me hanging. And so he didn't do that on purpose. There were some physical problems that he had with his body. Um, he had um, a son, I think, at the time. I can't remember all the stuff that happened, but he had physical ailments, family problems, and of course, he was pastoring a church full-time, and so... Um, my wife and I continued to come down with a ragtag group of friends, and we had Bible studies every week, and we had worship, and, and that was it. We started building relationships, and people kept coming. And so we put a box in the back. It's still sitting there. It's a little wooden box that we bought at a thrift store, and I put a lock on there for some reason because I don't trust anybody, I guess. Hey, I know about sin. I read the Bible. Um, but anyway, I put a little slot in the top, and, and people put money in. And basically we said, if you like what's going on here and you want to support the ministry, put money back there. But we're not going to pass the plate. So we did that. And by November of that year, uh, we had some money saved up and, and wanted a, a current location for ourselves that we didn't have to set up every week. And so we started renting the building that is now a haircut place right next to Napa. It used to be a paint store. It used to be a leather store. It used to be a gun store. I mean, this is the best kind of place to go. Uh, it smelled like auto parts, so you could get your spark plugs, and then you can come down the street and get Jesus. Uh, not a whole lot of guys did that, but it was an option. And, um, and as a result, we continued teaching through Scripture, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's what changed my life, so that's what I feel is the most important thing. You know, to many of you, you have different emphases, 
You have things like grammar and words that are real that you use in everyday life, and, uh, and you don't get to say them. And so my point is, is that as we grew and as people kept coming and God kept providing financially, we started renting that building. Each month we rented, and, and God gave us favor with the owners. We were able to make uh, improvements. We built some walls and, and, and stuff like that, and, and um, I'm skipping over tons of stuff that happened during that time. During that time, um, it wasn't always easy. Um, the worship leader at Parkland Chapel uh, cheated on his wife with another guy from the church's uh, wife, and, and two marriages split up. So at that time, Kelly and I had moved down here by then. And at that time, basically all of our help left us, which many people would be like, well, that's the worst thing in the world. Well, it was the worst thing in the world. But at the time, it caused Kelly and I to grow closer together in our marriage, it also made us, it refined whether or not we really felt called to move here. And it, it caused us to dig deeper into the relationships with people that we had down here. So it was one of the most amazing, tragic things that's ever happened in the course of this church. But during those seasons, we continued to grow. People kept coming. Families came in. Families go out. And, and that's just kind of how the church works. Um, not everybody that's always been here has stuck. Uh, but at the same time, those that have stuck have, have grown and we've been able to watch that and so um, as a result um, I kept looking for a permanent church because I know that we live in a traditional area and we could really use a place that's ours that we own little did I know that the three places I looked at were way out of our price range um, little did I know that God had this building right here for us so not last April but the April before we actually purchased this building. So in April, we'll have been here two years. Um, actually, we purchased it in February of 2017. So at that point, we, we purchased this building. And what I have to tell you is that God is so good, and he knows what we can afford. He knows what he wants to give us. So when I say where God guides, he provides, I don't just say that as a flippant saying. I say that has have experienced that. Because when we wanted to buy a building... God kept saying no, and I kept getting frustrated. And in the meantime, God was saying, just wait. He wasn't saying no, he was saying wait. We were paying $600 a month to rent a facility that really wasn't what we needed it to be. And then we came up here in January of 2017, and they wanted $19,995 for this building. And so I called the lady, we looked at the place, we decided what we could do, and, and we... I, I don't know how to do the, the organization thing. So I call the bank, and I'm like, what do I need to do? And they go, you've got to write a business case. And I'm like, what is that? And they were like, well, you basically explain how you think you can pay for it, why you need the money, all that kind of stuff, how long the organization's been, how much money that you have, how much money you take in yearly, all that kind of stuff. So I wrote a big, long email and made stuff up. That was true, but I didn't know how to write it. You know, I just was like, okay, I guess I'll write the longest email ever. So I did. And the bank, I went to the bank one day, and I, they were like, we'd like to talk to you. I'm like, oh, gosh, here comes the no. And it just so happens I went to high school with the president of Ozarks Federal at the time. And so he, he looked at me, and he said, I said, uh, I have to ask you. After they told me yes, I said, I have to ask you, why would you loan that kind of money to me? And they said, well, we care about the community. So we want to invest in community churches. Like, okay, great. I said, but I was the one that wrote it. I went to high school with your son. He goes, well, you're an upstanding young man. 
And I go, you do not remember what I did in high school then, because I'm not, I wasn't. When I was hanging out with his son, we were not doing great stuff. You know, so by God's grace, we purchased this building. We moved up here. We made some changes to the basement. We've done lots of stuff, and we'll get into that. But in Acts chapter 2, we have our pattern for why we do and how we do what we do. And we want to be simple. We want to be sincere. And we want to base what we do on faith. And faith not just in whatever we want to believe, but faith in what Jesus had said he would promise to his church. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, somewhere in here, it says there, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So I apologize because I'm reading the New Living Translation this morning. But uh, I like it. That's what I read devotionally. But it says there, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And so the four pillars that we see as foundational for our church are doctrine. That's just a fancy word for teaching, right teaching. Uh, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And so I have actually made notes this morning, which is not my normal, but I didn't want to miss anything. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Well, the bulk of the time in most of our gatherings is, is Scripture. We teach the Scriptures chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We teach every book. The reason being is that we see the whole Christian being matured and brought to maturity by partaking in the whole Bible. It's all there. It's all useful for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness is what Paul would write to Timothy in the chapter 3. And so this year we studied through the books of Jonah, 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Philemon, Titus, and Hebrews chapter 1 through 11, because I didn't finish Hebrews yet. But that said, we, we are partaking in all of Scripture because we believe that in the Scriptures, God has a recipe. It's a, like a loaf of bread. All the right amounts of every spice, every piece, every part of it. You know if you make something and you put too much of something that's not in the recipe, it ends up being, tasting foul. It tastes horrible. And so God in his word, we believe that he has put all the right dose, all the right amount into his word. So if we study all of it, we'll get just the right amount about tithing. We'll get just the right amount about salvation. We'll get just the right amount about sin and depravity. We'll get just the right amount about Christian living. So we have to have a proper understanding of all of those things to make a, a mature and a whole Christian. Here's the problem. Most churches don't do that. They, they teach topically. Now, God uses it. So I'm, this is in no way saying if someone teaches topically in a church, it's wrong. But I will say that it's just not what we do. We want you to have a well-balanced diet. Remember the food pyramid? Well, they're always changing that thing. But God doesn't change his Bible food pyramid. It's the same that it always was. And so scripture is an important thing and we need to grow by eating of it. He washes us in the water of the word. And so uh, we need to constantly be applying it to our lives. And if we will do that, we will become mature in everything God wants us to do. And so number two, they continued steadfastly in fellowship. I heard one guy describe fellowship as two fellows in a ship. And it's that simple. It's 
two people in a boat going in the same direction. And so it can be two or more. But the idea is that we're all headed to the same destination, so we may as well be together while we do it. So what is fellowship? Well, Jesus called us to leave our old life and to follow him, but he called us to do it not as Lone Ranger Christians, as many would say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I would say, yes, you could, but I do not believe that we can be all that we can be without each other pouring into each other's lives and us being able to pour into others' lives. And so regularly making time to be together is an essential part of being a Christian. Times of worship together, times of prayer together, times to serve together, but also just time to be together. You guys know as well as I do that families don't grow on what they do. Many times they grow on just being together. They, they learn from one another just by spending time. That's this time of year. I hope many of you are doing that with your families. But the family that we get to live with for eternity is actually the body of Christ. And we need to make regular time for fellowship with believers because we all have one Father. And our, all of our goals should be to be like Him. When we become more like Him and see, people see the, the differences that come together, the beauty is that in the diversity, there's unity because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And so um, they'll look at the Christian church and they'll go, Wow, none of those people have anything in common except Jesus. And then we see the, the manifold grace of God unfolded as, as all of us complement one another, just like two people that get married. I've heard so many people say, well, I've got to find somebody that likes all the same things I do, and then we can get married. But the reality is, who wants two of the same person? You may as well just stay alone. But if you bring two people together that are equal and yet opposite, in so many ways, it becomes a beautiful thing because they can work not against one another, but together they form this union that glorifies God. And so uh, we make times, simple times throughout the year. Uh, we do a fall festival. We do a Christmas Eve service. We've had game nights. We've had movie nights. Um, there's been times where the ladies have all gotten in a van and, and driven to baby showers. There's been times where we've just had meals together, but the idea is to make opportunities to build relationships with one another so that the body of Christ can be strengthened. And so um, another thing we get to do is pray with, for one another. We do that through people sending in prayer requests. We email them out. It's not so that we can gossip or so that everybody knows about everything that's going on. It's so that we can lift up those concerns that individuals have and not feel like they're alone in it. And then at the same time, to get to see God answer and to meet their needs. To try to outdo one another in brotherly kindness. Getting together to share one another's burdens and to celebrate one another's joys is a privilege that God gives us so that we can mutually encourage one another. In John chapter 13, verse 34, it actually says this. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this, he says, by this particular thing, all will know that you are my disciples. How do you know if somebody's a Christian? Well, we know because we have fellowship with one another, but someone on the outside will know that we are disciples of Jesus because we love one another. And so if you have love for one another, God all will know. And in, in this particular case, it's interesting because 
He says, I, as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. And let me ask you, what did he do right before he said this? He washed their feet. He did the most humbling thing you can do in that culture. He took the form of a bond slave. He took his outer garments off. He wrapped himself at the waist with his outfit. He girded himself, and he took the form of the lowest slave they would have in their household. He literally became a doormat for them. He, he washed their feet. When they walked in any other house, they'd have a meal with somebody. They would have a servant in that house that would wipe their feet off because they'd been walking down streets covered in manure. And so as they would come in, they would have a servant designated to essentially replace that thing right there. They wouldn't wipe their feet on the floor. They would be wiping their feet on a person. And Jesus, in the middle of the meal, humbled himself, which was probably convicting to these men that were serving under him. And he actually, being the greatest took the lowest form and washed their feet. And he said, as I have done to you, do for each other. Love each other like this. And so we get opportunities to do that. And what's great about it is as we will humble ourselves, what we'll find is that God will deepen those relationships. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, John 15, 12. So they continued in doctrine. They continued in fellowship, not just the face value, hey, how's it going good, but actual real relationships, life on life, talking to one another, being with each other in hard times, confessing our sins to one another. That's, that's fellowship, and that takes time to build up to that level, but we should be getting to that point because if we can't confess our sins to one another and ask for prayer, who can we? God has left us here with each other to do that so that we can be healed and cleansed of all unrighteousness. So he, said, he says they continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread together. Now we purposely, purposefully make regular monthly opportunity to have communion. And so we'll have the communion sitting here when you come in. It'll be at the beginning of the month typically. And then we'll have a time of worship and contemplation after the message and a time to respond and just to spend with Jesus together, taking this meal that reminds us of his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, but really just a sacrifice that he made so that we could have fellowship with him. And so we make opportunities regular. It's the family meal that reminds us where our life comes from. And so we do that. But I would also encourage you to invite each other over for dinner. Some of the biggest blessings is when you get to know people and have them over to your homes, you actually get to know them, not just them on Sunday. And, and I don't know about you, but you might show up to my house and I might be in my jammies. And that's okay, because here I am, right? That's real fellowship. That's enjoyable. It's comfortable. When you put on jammy pants, it's comfortable. I'm not going to say I'll do that with everybody. But I'm just saying, if you show up at my house randomly, show up. Don't not come because you didn't call. But recognize I might be in my jammies. Uh, and then number four, they continued steadfastly in prayers. Prayer is one way for us all to seek our Father together from our personal places where we pray, from our constant communication with God throughout the week, but also for corporate prayer. And so uh, we pray weekly before service. I recognize that not everybody can get here early. 
But if you can, even just once a month, I've got a room right here I just set up. And we used to have it downstairs where it's cold and down the stairs. So if you can't do stairs, now that's not an excuse. We've got a room in there to come in and pray. And we're not, we're not gossiping. We're not just fooling around. We just get together and we pray over the service. And it's a way for us to once again say, God, we need you because we're not just getting here to meet. We want God to do the spiritual work in us that he's trying to do, and especially during uh, our times here at church. So we get to communicate with God together. Everything else springs forth from that. So I have this next slide. and It says, what about programs and ministries? Now, if you're from traditional church, uh, you might come here and say, wow, they really don't do anything. There's nothing going on. And, and compared to most churches in our day and age, um, we don't do a whole lot. I recognize that your lives are busy, that you have demands from work, that you have demands from school, that you have demands from your family, that you have demands from just other things that I'm not even aware of. You've got kids you're raising, you've got uh, responsibilities at home, and we don't want you to neglect any of those. And at the same time, because of that, when we only have a couple of events, we encourage you highly, be at those events because they're important. They're paramount to our growth as a body, not in numbers, but as our growth in our relationships. That we need time regularly together. And so um, I, what I would say to you about uh, programs and ministries is that we long to see God sprout up things from these four pillars, this foundation. And so it says there in chapter 2, verse 46 of Acts chapter 2, it says, So, as they continued in those four things steadfastly, it says, Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And look at this. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved He's talking about being saved from their sins, saved by the gospel. And so fruitful and useful and timely ministries will be a natural result of a solid foundation in Christ. We want you to get here. We want you to be fed weekly. We want you to be fed more often as God gives opportunity. But we don't want you to feel, feel compelled to do stuff just because there's something to do. That makes sense. If, if God wants to do something through you in our church or outside the church, we want him to call you to do it because if he calls you to do it, it will continue. But if I get up here and I say, hey, Stephen, I think you need to start a ministry doing this. Guess what? Stephen is a good young man and he's going to do it and he's going to try it and he's going to strive at it. But if God didn't call him to do it, he's going to stress out and it's not going to go well. In the temple, they were given garments to wear. And those garments were made out of a specific material. And they were a material that breathed. And when they wore this material and they served and they made sacrifices and they did all the things they were supposed to do, they didn't get sweaty pits. They didn't. But asking someone to do something that the Lord's not asked them to do is like putting a garment on them that doesn't breathe. And when they start doing it, it's no doubt stuff will happen and God will use it no matter what but they get sweaty. And sweatiness in the house of God, I'm not talking about physical sweatiness, but just laboring and intensifying on something God hasn't called you to do, stinks. 
It's not fun. It brings an aroma of death. You know, it's, it smells like you haven't had a shower spiritually. It's not a blessing. It's kind of a curse. And if you guys have teenagers in your house, you know what I'm talking about. You know, nobody needs no sweaty pits in the house of God. And so that's the reality. So we're not going to impose things and go, hey, we want to start a prayer ministry, and you're it. But here's the inverse of that. Because we don't do that, many times things don't spring up because people don't feel like they have the freedom to do that. This church is God's church. If he's leading you to do a ministry, we ask that you contact us and let us know how God's leading you. And we will pray about it, and we want to give you the resources. We want to give you a place to do those things. One example is this year, um, Miss Dana emailed me, and she said, hey, we've never done Operation Christmas Child. And I said, you're right. She goes, would it be okay if we did that? And I said, I would love that, but I will not do that. What I meant was, I won't administrate. I've got plenty to do. I said, but if you feel called to do it, let it rip, tater chip. And she told me all the details. We emailed everybody. She brought in the boxes. She came up and talked about it. All I had to do was give her a place and a space. And guess what? 20 kids got boxes of gifts at Christmas time. Mine went to Gabon, Africa. I looked it up. And a little boy or a little girl got my box, opened it up, and got told about Jesus. That wasn't because I did more. That was because someone was moved by God to do something specific, and she just went through proper channels, and it happened. We didn't have a committee meeting. We didn't all have to vote on it. It was just a simple cut and dry. We are meant to share the love of Christ with the nations. Let's do it. And so for you and I, that may look totally different. For me, I'm called to teach the Bible. Now, that means that there's some practical stuff I have to do until God calls somebody else to do it. I make the slideshow. I, I show up early. Uh, Jesse shows up early. There are things practically that have to be done. But I look forward to the day where God calls each one of you to something particular so that we can all bear the load together, not be stressed out, not be sweaty, but actually it can be an aroma of life because there will be organization that none of us administrated, but the Holy Spirit just orchestrated and made it beautiful. And so I don't know what God's calling you to do, but whatever he stirs in your heart, pray about it, be open to it, and let it rip. Because that's how God's church grows and is magnified. That's how the name of Jesus becomes famous. And so, again, I say to you, fruitful, useful, and timely ministries will be a natural result of a solid foundation in the word, in prayer, and fellowship. I forgot the other one. Huh? Breaking of bread. Communion with God. And so, here are some ways that people are currently serving within the church. And I will not hit them all, so don't get mad at me. If you really feel that strongly about it, just let it rip. Tell me. Um, but uh, this year, I'm praising God because I mowed grass one time. There was somebody that, that said, hey, I'll mow grass. And so they wrote, mowed the grass every week. It looked way better when they did it. And, and nobody even knew the difference. Um, there are people that are weekly cleaning the church. You may not know it, but if it gets done here, somebody did it. And by God's grace, little by little, Kelly and I are doing less and less of it so we can do what God's given us to do. 
Uh, number three, weekly worship rehearsal and uh, leading of worship. So we've had a group of people that come together. They practice on Thursday nights. This is an amazing thing because for the first four and a half to five years, it was Kelly and I practicing with kids screaming at us in our living room. So now I can schedule it, and then when I'm home, I can actually just be at home, which is nice. Uh, people are volunteering to be nursery caregivers. We now have three. Our goal is to have at least four so that every one of you that serve in the nursery only have to do it once a month, and then you can stay in service and get fed every other week of the month. So the more, the merrier. Uh, children's teachers. We have people, uh, we have two teachers currently that rotate, and so those ladies get fed every other week, and then every other week they're feeding the kids, teach them at their level. Um, we have people hosting events at their homes. We have youth planning and leading. So we have people that are praying towards a youth, a youth group, and we want the youth group to be a part of the church. We want kids to learn at middle school age and above to sit in service and to be fed, but we also want something for their level. So we're praying towards that, and we have people planning. We have ladies' fellowship and studies going on, which have been a huge encouragement. And these ladies are growing in faith. They're stirring one another up in the middle of the week. They recognize their need for that. So God put it on the heart of the ladies to get together. We have weekly prayer at 9 o'clock in this room to my right. We have uh, folks that have stepped up and said, hey, uh, why isn't there an ad in the paper for the church? And I said, never really thought to promote it. And they said, well, if I paid for it, would you put an ad in the paper once a month? And I said, sounds great. I'd love to invite people to church through the paper. And so people have done that. Um, and then there's all kinds of people building and fixing things. And uh, we even had a decorating day this year. So the church got decorated and you guys made it look beautiful. So thank you. So everybody does their piece and it's just a little bit of work for everyone. So Here's ways that folks are serving outside the church. Um, one thing is, I don't know if you guys read the paper, but uh, about quarterly, I actually write an article for Reflections on Faith. So that's one way that we reach outside the walls. Um, there's a back-to-school prayer meeting and, uh, and worship that we actually did at the beginning of the year. We were invited from, from some folks that work at the church or at the school. So there was a prayer meeting, and Kelly and I get to lead worship. Um, and at the same time, it was so encouraging to see so many teachers praying not only for the safety, but also for the students. And so that's a way that God's using us outside of the church. We also are supporting BCA, which is called Bethlehem Christian Academy. They're located in Zambia. They have two campuses, and they also have a campus up in northern Africa where they can't tell us where it's at because it's in a Muslim region. And so they're sharing the gospel they're giving a warm meal to the kids a day, and they're also educating them and preparing them for the future, which they don't have access to. So uh, we as a church started supporting a little boy. His name's Emmanuel Mwape, which I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> so we're praying for him weekly as well. Um, we also did Operation Christmas Child. Um, we financially support uh, church plants. That's being planted. I have a picture for you there of the Tarver family. They came and visited. They spoke at Parkland Chapel. Hopefully next time they come, they'll be able to speak down here. Um, but they're planting a church in the heart of Mormon territory. So it's 99% Mormon. So they're trying to share the gospel with those that think they're okay. 
because of their religion. And so um, we support them. And also, one of the cool things was that a woman contacted Parkland Chapel, but she was moving down here from Farmington. So I sent out an email, some text messages, and a group of folks from our ranks said, we'd love to. We took van loads of people, and we moved a, la a lady in one night, and she's not a believer. And she's deaf, so she can only read your mouth. So if I don't trim my mustache, she can't read my words. So my wife had to talk to her. Um, but she can read lips, and, and we moved her in one night, and she was thankful. So some of the ways that we get to minister to people, we may never see any fruit from it, but we're trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, also, we help a few folks with medical equipment, and we help with utilities and benevolence uh, to people who have asked us. There's Sometimes I get phone calls, and people are like, we don't, I don't have any food. So I go grab some groceries, and I take them to their house. And that's ways that we, I get to be the hands and feet, but if you put money in the back, that's what it, that's a lot of the stuff that it goes towards. <clears throat> also, in 2018, we made some uh, building improvements. So we did landscaping. You can see all the rock around the building. We won't trap rock because it's kind of a local thing. You know, and it's also, you don't have to, you know, it's low maintenance. It doesn't fade. And um, hopefully the kids won't throw them. And also in the basement at the beginning of the year, uh, there was a man who came and spent two whole days and framed every wall downstairs. So we had a work day where we installed uh, the paneling and all the wood, most of the wood and the paneling actually came from the other building that we had torn it all down. So we got to repurpose it. We're very green, right? Um, so uh, we also insulated and installed walls downstairs and we um, are beginning to finish a bathroom. So there was one man that volunteered and he plumbed our bathroom for us downstairs. So hopefully in a little while the Children's workers won't have to run upstairs with the kids. They'll be able to use the potty downstairs and come back to their class. And uh, so that's another blessing. Uh, we installed porch rails, and then they were painted. And light posts and basement walls were all painted. And those were all examples of where people just saw a need, asked if they could do it. We let them in, and they just let it rip. So those things are all taking place as people just see things, and they do them. Um, also, we got a new TV display, and we got some uh, uh, audio-visual enhancements. We're starting to use a different program. Uh, we installed the projector we had up here down in the basement for our kids and hopefully the youth one day to use for movie nights and stuff like that. And um, we also moved the storage downstairs so we can have a prayer room up here just this week. So, our leaders, in case you don't know, I'm the pastor, so... I, I think it's I think it's funny too. I mean, I just I still can't believe that. I I just said that and I was like, that sounds funny. <laughs> and if I go to high school reunions and tell them that, they laugh too. So it's okay. Um, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so uh, Steve Persley is one of our elders, and we also have another elder who is at Parkland Chapel until God raises somebody up here locally. His name's Jason Samples. He's come down here and teach a couple times. And then uh, Jesse is our deacon. And so uh, we keep it simple. Um, we don't have a whole lot of committee meetings or decisions to make. When we make them, we have kind of some set rules, and we pray over them. Um, currently, I don't, um, I don't take pay, and I haven't for the last six years. The reason being, God provides through my job, 
but what's happening increasingly is that I'm uh, a lot more busy, and my kids are growing up before my eyes, and so I'm praying towards, and I would welcome you to pray towards uh, God continuing to move us completely down here so that I don't have to spend 42 hours a week or more at my current job. Now, if God says no, I'm okay with that. I'm content, and I'm learning to be content in that. But um, as things grow and as people have needs and if there's opportunities, I long to at least work down here part-time and, and be able to be more available to all of you guys. And so um, just be praying with us. God's already provided another job for my wife who is working part-time as parents as teachers. So we're very thankful for that. And, uh, and as we pay off debt as fast as we can, we're trying to be freed up from those cares. We want to be able to be as, as cheap as possible. So um, 2018 highlights. So I have a list for you by month, and I, it's sitting right here. But for the sake of time, I'm probably not going to read it. Um, let's see here. I skipped some things. Okay. I wrote way more in my notes than I needed to because I thought I'd forget stuff. Um, yeah, I've pretty much talked about all this. Two highlights that I want to spend some time on. Um, number one, we went to Camp Elevate. We took 10 youth and two kids and four adults. Um, so that was pretty cool. That was the most kids we've ever taken. Uh, number two, Nevea actually made a profession of faith at camp, and so she got saved. So that's a praise. And number three, uh, we, sorry, I said two, but I'm going three. We've had people come speak about different ministries. Uh, but one particular highlight is a personal highlight for me. Uh, after Christmas Eve service, for many of you that were here, my daughter decided she wanted to follow Jesus. And so she made a pro profession of faith Christmas Eve, which uh, I told her at that point, I meant it. If I didn't get anything for Christmas, it was already done. That was uh, pretty amazing. One of my biggest concerns about being a pastor is I don't want to raise pastor's kids. I want kids to really know Jesus. And, uh, and I'm the biggest hindrance to that if I'm not careful. As a matter of fact, there was so much chaos going on that night, I almost missed it. And so, thank you, Lord. So what about money? What makes all this possible? I already said that we don't pass the plate. And the reason we, be, we, we don't pass the plate is just due to the fact that so many people have been to church, and they, all they see is that the church wants my money. And everybody already wants all my money. So why would I want to go another place that wants my money? I don't want to hear about it. And I get that because I used to be that guy. But now I recognize that get, that's how God provides for the, the people that serve. That's how God keeps the lights on. That's how, and he's not broke. So I don't have to try to compel you to give money. I believe that if you are impacted by what we do here, and Jesus is meeting your financial needs, that he'll provide for the church as he sees fit. And so we trust him to do that. Where he guides, he provides. So as we close, there's so much more I'd like to say. And I could go on and on and tell stories about practical stuff and about spiritual stuff that's happened, but I'm just grateful to get to be a part of this church. I'm grateful to get to see him grow you guys. I have this vantage point that most of you don't get. I get to see each of your lives and see you day by day and week by week take steps of faith that, that mean so much more. One of the ways that we get to serve God whether you see it this way or not, is by your, what you do every day. 
Some of you are stay-at-home people. Some of you are at work every day. Some of you are in school. But I want to point out the fact that those things are ways that we worship God. Worship isn't just the songs. Worship is the way that we live. So how you interact with your coworkers and with your family and how you interact in very difficult things at work. You know, I just particularly got to pray about something for a few weeks and God is using our jobs to glorify himself. And I, I'm, I'm praying, and you can pray along with me, that I get to go talk to the CEO of our company tomorrow and tell him that God answered a particular prayer that I know he heard me pray. Because on Christmas, we have a Christmas dinner at work. There's like 900 people at the dinner, something like that. And, um, they're get, and so I prayed over the meal. They asked me to pray over the meal. Because who can pray? Only pastors, right? Um, hey, preacher, get up here and pray. So I did, but I also prayed over the meal, and then I also prayed because we're changing piece of software right now. And it's like giving a full-on heart transplant to a company. It's all the financials, all the purchase orders, all the everything. It's on there. Accounting software. So it's crazy. We've been working on it for like two years. Well, this week was the year where we transfer all the items over. So we prayed that God would make it happen smoothly and quicker than we thought it would. And I prayed that before the meal because I knew it was on everybody's hearts and minds because they gave them off Christmas Eve and Christmas, but every one of the people transferring items over to the other software is going to have to work the day after Christmas all the way to, Christmas, to New Year's Eve, Monday. So all the way through Saturday and Sunday, which isn't normal at our... Yeah, I know a lot of you work weekends and stuff, but it's just not normal for us, especially around the holidays. Well, I was talking to Tammy last night, and not only did it happen quicker and more efficiently, but she got the whole weekend off. So we were just praising the Lord last night. We were giddy about it, because, I mean, that wasn't supposed to happen. But I got to pray that in front of the whole company, and I literally saw an email where one of the managers, Jason Teasley, he said, this went way quicker, this is going way quicker than we thought it would, and it's been so smooth. Thank you, Lord. So many times we look at these opportunities we have or problems and we're like, God, where are you in this? I'm not supposed to work on Sunday. I want to go to church. But those are the problems where we have opportunity to pray and to give him glory, to shine the spotlight on the God that's making it all happen. And each one of you have those opportunities. And I'm very blessed when I get to hear the stories about how God's working in your workplaces. Keep going. So that said, first. Peter chapter 4 is where I see the Lord taking us this year. 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter is writing to a persecuted group of Christians in the very early church. And he writes to them and he says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another, and as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as if he is speaking with God's voice. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies 
that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So these are the key, the key pieces of what God kind of highlighted for me for our church this year. Number one, prayer got us to this point, and we can go no further without it, nor would we be wise to. So I would encourage you to make prayer a big piece of 2019 for each other and specifically for the gospel to go forth. We long to make an impact on our whole valley and to the ends of the earth. And if we're to do that, we have to seek God's face on it. Number two, as I've seen people come and love this place and make it their own, my prayer has been that folks would have the same desire and more so not only to invest in the building practically as we saw the changes that are made, but actually to invest in the true temple, which is each other. We are bricks that make up the temple of God. God dwells inside of us so that we would have a desire to invest and love each other, to build each other up. Number three, that we would be hospitable to one another from a cheerful heart. Sorry, I realized I had a slide for this. There we go. That we'd be hospitable towards one another without grumbling. To love one another not just when we're lovable, but when we're not so lovable. When we become reclusive and decide we don't want to be around anybody, to continue to love each other. Uh, number four, that we would be good stewards of what he calls the manifold grace of God. If anyone has a gift that's given to him by God, let him use it to serve one another. Uh, number five, that we'd ask God to give us words for one another to strengthen each other in faith. Many times, most of you probably come to church to receive, and that's good. We need to eat. God's called me to be an under-shepherd and to feed the flock. What did God say to, what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. So that's what I'm called to do. But at the same time, many times, what we don't realize is that God wants to give you, each one of you, something to say to another to speak life into their lives. So looking for those opportunities. And that we'd serve one another and be willing to let others serve us. It's one thing to have something to give, but I don't know about you guys, but we as Southeast Missouri people, we have a hard time receiving. So if you have a need, be willing to express that need and let others need it. Some of the biggest blessings is when I couldn't do something for myself and somebody didn't even know that I had the need other than God just laid it on their heart and then they did something for me and I just... Usually at those moments, I just cry a lot. And, and I don't cry, but then I recognize that it was the hand of God in their lives and in mine. So not only be willing to serve, but be willing to let God serve you through other people. That we would ask God to give us words for one another, that we would each do what God gives us to do with the ability that he supplies. So my prayer is that each one of us would find out what God's gifted us to do what he's telling us to do, and just to do it. But to do it with the ability that he's going to supply. And all of this for the sole purpose of God receiving the glory that he deserves. And may he be glorified through Jesus Christ, is what he says. That the name of Jesus would take root here through the simple foundation, and that it would actually be expressed in our daily lives. And by our testimony, that word will spread. Uh, Lucy and I were reading a story. Um, let's see. 
guess it was last night. And it was about this uh, man. Uh, let me turn to it. I said we were going to close, but I feel like I need to share this. Matthew in chapter 9. Oh, that's right. There was a young lady, and her dad recognized that she was on her deathbed and had heard about Jesus. And so he left his house. She wasn't dead yet, but she, he left his house. He went to Jesus. He found Jesus, and he said, my, my daughter's been sick for 12 years. I, I know that if you just touch her, that she'll be healed. And so he's on the way back, and he gets interrupted. There's a woman who's been sick for 12 years. He heals her. And then finally they rush to his house and there's people wailing and mourning and, and, and just grieving. Of course, these are professional mourners. They were paid to wail and to mourn the deceased. And so he went into the house and, and, and they were like, what are you doing here? She's already dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And they all laughed at him. That's how I know that they were paid mourners because you don't go straight from weeping to laughing unless you really don't mean it. And, and I guess maybe there are times where that happens. But so he goes into the house. And, and what it says in Matthew's account is that he touches her hand. And immediately she stands up and walks. She comes off of her deathbed and she's alive. And what it says is that they all marveled. And that the news spread to all the people around, the multitude. Everyone in Israel knew what had happened. There was not one person that didn't know. And so for us, when God does these new works, when he heals people, when he changes our lives little by little, God's desire is that all would know, that all would see that Mike Miggy became a pastor. What? That all would see, that all would hear that, that these impossible things have happened and that they would, they, everyone would know about it. How often does bad news travel slowly? It travels quick, right? Why can't that be the same about good news? So, Father, we thank you for good news. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the testimony of this church that you have sprung up and provided for. It's not been easy. But... We pray that it would all be to your glory. That your spotlight, that the spotlight of attention of the world, especially this valley, for those who don't know you, that it would be taken off of us and put onto Jesus. That they would see our good works, that they would see our changed lives, that they would see our, our families, that they would see the things that we do, that they would see all that you're accomplishing by us just being willing to be used by you, that they would see what happens when we repent of our sins and confess our need for you and, and truly give control over to you and that they would glorify you, that all of Arcadia Valley, that all of Iron County, that all of the state of Missouri would know that you are alive and well and working in this little church and may you be glorified in everything. May you become famous. May you become the one that is on everybody's lips. In Jesus' name, amen.